Thank you for listening to the Skift podcast. Today's episode features a session from the recent Skift Global Forum, which took place in New York City in September of 2022. To learn more or join us at the next Skift event, visit live.skift.com. Enjoy the conversation. Please welcome CEO and President of Booking Holdings, Glenn Fogle, in conversation with Skift founding editor and executive editor, Dennis Shaw. Hello, New York, and all the people online. Glenn, thank you for being here, par usual. Well, thanks for having me. And these are very strange chairs. Hmm. Glenn, our goal is to keep you on edge. I'm going to fall off, I think. <laughs> Go ahead. So uh, first, I, I wanted, on a more serious note, I wanted to, um, today is the, actually the fifth anniversary of Hurricane Maria. And uh, I wanted to give a shout out to all the people in Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic that have just been walloped by uh, Hurricane Fiona. Uh, I think 90% of Puerto Rico doesn't have power right now. The, the electrical grid is a mess anyway. Um, and I'm trying to reach friends in Dominican Republic, haven't heard from them in days, and it's on its way elsewhere, so a shout out to them. Yeah, well, I, I echo that. It's just tragic what's going on there right now. There's so many people being affected, and hopefully hopefully, uh, FEMA and the others can help as quickly as possible. Yep, totally. So, Glenn, what is the... Uh, talk about some of the cool things you're doing at Booking Holdings. What's the most innovative thing you're doing over there these days? And um, what does it mean for your company and for the travel industry at large? You know... <laughs> There are so many things happening at once. It's, it's sometimes hard for me to keep track of everything. But the truth is, just getting back to basics has really been the most important thing for us. You know, there's, I, I heard apparently Sunday night, apparently the pandemic's over, I heard from a news article. But truth is, we're still suffering and we still are digging out from a hole. Yeah, we had great numbers for the second quarter. I mean, first quarter, that we actually were able to do better than 2019 for a full quarter, that was fantastic. But we all know it's, it's not done yet. There are parts of the world that are still far behind 2019 numbers. So getting back to basics is first. Then do out all the new things that we want to do. And we talk about the connected trip. We talk about FinTech. We talk about making sure that we are coming up with our home area to be comparable to anywhere in the world with any competitor. These are things we're working on right now. But I stress to people, yeah, it's exciting all things down the road, but please let's keep our eye on the ball to get done what we need to get done so we can bring back the basics. Sure. So Asia, I mean, that has a big impact on your company. You had a pretty big present, uh, presence in Asia and the entire travel industry. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, China obviously still has a COVID zero policy. China uh, certainly uh, gives a big contribution to the overall travel industry. That's a, a, until they come back, it's always going to be an issue in Asia. Um, there are other parts of Asia that are still behind. And of course, just because we see declining rates here in the states of infection doesn't mean we're going to be out of the woods forever. And who knows what's going to happen down the road. Yep. So I'm, I was excited that we're near the top of the program today, um, and we're gonna talk about the connected trip, and you can tell us what your vision is for the connected trip. But the travel industry has been in such a crisis lately 
because our trips are so disconnected lately. Um, like how many of you flew in maybe a day or two early because you were worried that your flight would be canceled? I, I know I did um, because you can't rely on air service anymore. So um, let's go to, I, go ahead. So I, I just want to say, it's absolutely been hard for the airlines. In the summer, there were more delays than there had been in the past, and there were more cancellations than the past. And there were lines out the gazoo at some airports. I mean, if you're at Schiphol, if you went to Amsterdam sometime over the summer, you, you may have had a two-hour line to get through immigration. Or to come home, you may have had a three-hour line outside to get into the airport. So there were problems. But the truth is, when you look at the statistics, they weren't outrageous. So instead of there were 2% of the flights were canceled, 4% were canceled. Uh, I don't know those are the exact numbers, but in some parts of the world. It's, and you can have a headline that says it doubled. True. But many, many, many people were able to get to where they needed to be. Maybe they were a little bit delayed. And it wasn't easy. So I'm not going to beat on my airline partners. They were doing the best they could in a very difficult situation. Why does it feel so much worse? Is it a media conspiracy or? Um... Wait, wait, you mean if it, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, let's just, the print news, the bad news yeah, is what does. That's what I'm talking I, about. I don't know, do journalists do that? Hard to believe. <laughs> not here, oh, no, not, not me, here. not, not, not you, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, I, I think part of it is it was harder, okay, absolutely true, can't deny that. And I think it's a very important part of uh, people's general well-being that they want, when they're going to go on a holiday, if they want to go on vacation, they want it to be right, and if it gets screwed up, that's, that's really traumatic for them. It's, you know, let's face it, most people don't get a lot of vacations uh, during the year. So I think that may have been part of it. I think also it was something that everybody could see and hear about. So it was newsworthy. But I do feel that lots of industries had lots of problems trying to get people back to work, and that was problematic, but the headlines seen much more so on that, and much less so that, gee, you know, the wait at the restaurant is about 15 minutes later than it used to be to get the food because they don't have as many servers. That wasn't as much news. And part of it, I guess, also was people were so anxious to travel. And people are very anxious yeah. to travel. That's Finally cool. get going again. Finally get going, yep. Let's go to a really short video. It's 30 seconds about the connected trip. Flights, hotels, cars, book it all on booking.com. Is that the vision? Yeah, and I think the real thing is, is making it easier because we know it's not easy. And everybody who traveled here, and if you put your own trip together yourself, you know it's still a mess. And I'm talking the same thing I talked about, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago, whatever. It's, it's, the fact is, doing your travel uh, planning is still a pain. And the proof of it is, you still don't see a lot of people who are going to book everything at once. Why? Because they're so exhausted after they do one vertical. They can't do it. I mean, you book your flight, I dare say you're going to go to the bar before you try and get your hotel. 
absolutely. And, and this, is, this is something that we should be able to cure. It shouldn't be that hard, you wouldn't think so, but it is. The systems are all different, disparate. It's hard to get it together. It doesn't live together. And this is what we're working on to make it easier. And by doing so, the idea is that will give more value to the consumer. They will decide to come back to us because it is easier. And I will give you, uh, you know, obviously um, a, a better friend now that Dara is no longer at Expedia and at Uber, and it's good. Now, I'm, now I can be much friendlier with him. And, and think, <laughs> but the one thing, think about Uber. I mean, everybody who's a New Yorker, when you think about what a pain it was to get a yellow cab in the rain, God forbid, you are not a white male trying to get a cab, and how it was hard. I used to be a cab driver. I'll tell you. Well, yeah, well, you were not one of the people who discriminated. I know, I did but, not. but 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 the truth is, it was it was like ridiculous. And then you get in; it's a beaten up yellow cab that barely moves. And, and then Uber comes, and you press one button, one button, and a nice car shows up. And the person, maybe they know where to go, maybe they don't, but they got a, they got a GPS thing that they can actually see where they're going to go. And then you didn't even have to like get cash and put it through the little plastic thing, you know that little slot between the bulletproof thing? You didn't have to do that, you just got out of the car. It was wonderful. And because it was so much more wonderful, everybody started using it. So my vision is, let's make travel like that, let's do it at booking.com, and then we'll have people come back to us because it is better. So I was thinking about your approach to Connected Trip and what Hopper is doing with FinTech. And the way I saw it was, and you could tell me where this is screwed up because a lot of my ideas are screwed up. So um, it's sort of you're sitting there when people are approaching their trip planning and you're saying, hey, just chill everybody, we've got your back. Problem occurs, we're there for you, we're gonna fix it, we'll rebook you, whatever. Hopper, on the other hand, they want people to be a little uptight about their trip, like, hey, pay us a fee and we'll freeze the airfare. Pay us a fee and you could cancel your, your airfare for any reason. They even have a fee now, show up at the hotel, check in, and if you don't like it, you could leave, we'll rebook you. So it's, it's sort of a totally different approach to uh, trip planning. How, what, what do you think of that? Um. I wouldn't quite characterize the way you describe these things. I think I think both Hopper and the products you were describing and things that we work on and things like flight insurance or any accommodation, there are lots of things that actually come together and there is anxiety in travel. And it's, you know, the first anxiety is, am I choosing the right place to go to? Because there's that thought, is this gonna be good or not? And, and then you're looking at all the reviews and all that, that's step one. Then step two is thinking, okay, am I getting the best price or not? And so feeling certainty that you are getting the best price is really important to people, which is why you want to be providing the best price all the time. And then the issue is, well, what if something happens? What if I get sick? And that's why there's insurance and things like that. So I don't think it's that different. People are approaching it from different uh, ways and different products and services, et cetera. I think we're all trying, though, to solve the same issue, which is providing value and that value can come and be feeling safer and better about it. It could come because you feel uh, safer because you're with a great company that's always doing the right thing for you. Speaking about choosing a place to search, we have an audience poll. Where do you think the travel marketing funnel and inspiration starts for most travelers? Uh, flight search, what is that, 18%? I can't read that. Uh, 19. 19? Close. <laughs> Destination search, 
80%, accommodation search, 0%, basically. So that, you have spoken on the travel funnel. So Glenn, you guys are, um, you're all about data, right? Making decisions yeah. based on data. Yeah. So yeah. do you have data that, that tells you that people really want the connected <laughs> trip, that they want to book right. everything in one place? Right, so data is incredibly important, but there's different kind of data. And asking somebody a question in a poll is one type of data. Right. Another type of data is how they actually act. Right. What do they buy could first? Could be a big difference. Right, what do they do? It could be hugely different. Right. But in this question, which is, it's a little bit not exactly where I would think the question really should be, and it really is the first thought is not flight or destination, it's what do I want to do? What are we, if I'm in a group, what are we going to do? Where do we want to go? It's that general excitement of looking at all the possibilities in the world, what to do. That's really the first thing. Mm -hmm. Then once you've come up with some ideas, and I make it specifically plural, ideas, because it's rare the people, yeah, sometimes you know, okay, we're going to Disney World because my, my daughter's in the third grade and she wants to see a prince that we're going, and you don't have to think too much, you're going to Disney. But a lot of times it's, I'm not quite sure. And right now, my wife and I, we have our anniversaries coming up and uh, we're looking. We've got a bunch of different choices and we're trying to think, should we go uh, a weekend up north or should we have a weekend in the city? And we're looking at all, the, looking at all different things at once. That's really how search works. People going back and back and back. So this, it's, I mean, it's data, but it's not that helpful. So if I was to ask you, I guess I will ask you, what progress have you made on the connected trip? Yeah, so um, we're in the US, so I can actually use a baseball analogy because many times, depending on what- But we have a global audience. We do have a global, okay, well, yep. maybe, we, maybe we should- Well, go, go with Maybe it. we should go with football. Uh, real football, not American football, football, right. kick the ball, yeah. Let's just say it's early, how about that? I'll okay. just go, it's early. The truth of the matter is, COVID knocked a lot of industries back in what they plan to do and what they plan to grow and, and create. And we certainly are part of that too. And we definitely got, you know, I would like to be much further along than we are. We're not, but we are making progress and we are offering things and I'm seeing it beginning to come together. But the ultimate goal down the road of this connected trip that provides this incredible more value, convenience, all these things, it's really further along. Right now, I just wanna make sure each of the verticals, flights for example, we are just early in building up a flight product at booking.com. Yeah, the numbers are very good in terms of growth. Yeah, it's still there, but there's a lot to be done just to make the flight product better than any other person's flight product. And that's it. So we've got to build the verticals first. At the same time, we're slowly beginning to put them together. But it's going to be a long journey, like anything. When it comes to flights, what do you think of uh, what eDreams is doing? Like, they claim to be the uh, number two uh, flight booking OTA in the world after, I guess, trip.com. Um, they're, they're doing it by subscriptions. Um, they were, uh, the CEO was asked in an earnings call, well, what about booking.com and your, your um, booking holdings, your competition with them? And he said, eh, you know, they've been doing flights for, for years. You know, so he kind of poo-pooed what your growth in flights. So subscriptions, e-dreams, what's your take on that? Um, I don't know their numbers, so I, I can't really comment on are they really number two or not. I'm, I'm sure you've looked at the data or not. Um, I, I, I do not want to um, 
say anything negative about something I don't know enough about. Okay. So I don't know enough about their product, that subscription product, how it works. <clears throat> I don't know if people pays up pay up front because the promise you're going to get a discount. If you're really getting a discount, I don't really know that. It would be interesting for uh, journalists who are consumer journalists to really look in and see, are people really getting a bargain or is this a bait and switch type thing or not? I don't know. Right. So I leave it up to others. I do know though, subscriptions certainly work in some parts of, of the world. Obviously I'm, a, I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber because I really think I am getting the true value right. out, of that, out of that product. So if you can provide that value, that's great. The problem though, the, some, some subscription things work well because the marginal cost is so low. So let's take, for example, the typical gym. And you pay a subscription. You pay a monthly service. You can go as much as you want. You can spend 24 hours a day, it's 24 hour a day place, all you want, because it doesn't cost the gym any more. The travel industry doesn't quite work like that. Though, you know, there could be ways you could differentiate things a little bit. So I'm not sure if that really works or not, but I can say this. If it is really working, if it is really successful, we got the people, the capital, the capabilities to do it very, very fast. But it's not something you're focusing on now. No, it's not on the high priority list right now, no. Right. No. So speaking of discounting, uh, it seems to be, there's always been discounting in the travel industry, but it seems to be a lot more of it going on. Now, you announced in your last earnings call that, of course, you're, you know, you're a leader in performance marketing you know, marketing on Google, but that you're gonna lean in a little bit uh, to merchandising, which is basically discounting, right? Um, as a, well, tell me what you said. What did well, you mean? Well, I think merchandising, it really depends on how it, how it comes. It certainly can be in offering a discount, or it could be offering an additional product. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, if a hotel says, look, we wanna give you uh, uh, into the inventory uh, free night if, you, if, they, if the customer stays three nights. Well, it's kind of a discount, right? But right. it's not just handing cash, it's just lowering. So that, sure. there are lots of different ways to do it. Or for example, we have a great product going out right now. People who are buying certain accommodations and they are getting a free ride from the airport to the hotel. Now that's offering a lot more value. Now that's not a That's for your genius members, right? Exactly. Loyalty program. Exactly. Now is that really a is that a discount? Well, it, the total cost to the consumers less, so mm -hmm. but we can reduce almost anything that way to be yeah, it's that. So that's why yes, it is discounting and there is a lot. I don't disagree with you on that. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your competition with Airbnb um, on several levels. So for example, um, in the second quarter, Airbnb spent 18% uh, of its revenue on marketing. Uh, Booking Holdings, Expedia, TripAdvisor, Make My Trip, they all spent more than 50% of revenue on marketing. So is there something um, broken in the OTA business model? How do you look at that? Well, I look at the fact that, let's go for 2020, we made over a billion dollars in EBITDA. I don't remember everybody's number, but I do believe it was a fairly negative number. Right. And let's go 2021, I think we made significantly. Did they make money in 2021? I don't uh, think, I don't so. think so. so. I don't think yeah. so either. We made a right. lot of money. And uh, I think if you look at the, <laughs> if you look at the quarter most, re you know, I mean, broken, I don't know. I, we should all be so broken. <laughs> Good point, Glenn. Um, <laughs> 
Okay, so it hasn't really been overly reported that uh, your vacation rental business, your what you call alternative accommodations, has really been uh, growing substantially and that you are up 25% in uh, alternative uh, accommodations versus two, 2019. Correct. That's an Airbnb-like number. It's about the same as yeah. what they're doing. Good I, I, I saw today, I, I know you don't focus on market cap. You're both at 75 billion market cap today before trading started today. Um, you know, how, how's that competition with the Airbnb going? Do you think they did anything innovative with that whole new search thing that you can search for homes that are labeled, oh my God, or um, beach destinations? Is that, is that a gimmick? Is that, what's your take? Um, couple things. I think Airbnb, trailblazing company, has done wonderful things and made travel better for so many people, really. Well, we did have uh, non-hotel accommodations, homes, et cetera, long before Airbnb existed. Truth of the matter is, they made it popular. They made, they were absolutely uh, the number one player in that industry and really made travel different than it had ever been before. And hats off to the people who started. Brian, his team did a great, great thing and really made the world an easier way to travel to different ways. Absolutely correct. Um, we believe that's true, and that's why we're spending a lot of time, energy, and effort building up our home business. And the 25% increase from 2019 is great, and almost, approximately almost a third of our business, a third of our business is now in the home area, which is really wonderful. Continue to build out new products, new things to do, so that we can make sure that when a, somebody's thinking about traveling, when they come to our site, they see all the possibilities in one place, can compare and contrast a hotel versus a home and what fits what their needs are and what the prices are and what the reviews are, and then they can decide what is best. And we think that's a really important thing to do to make sure that the customer is gonna get what they really, what really fits what they wanna travel. So I, look, we're gonna compete for a long, long time. It's, it's healthy, competition is an extremely healthy thing, and I hope the regulators recognize how incredibly competitive this industry really is. Well, you brought up regulators. Uh, so the, the consensus out there is that uh, the European Commission is probably going to cite uh, Booking.com as a gatekeeper in Europe uh, in terms of having control, a certain amount of control of the hotel industry, uh, of, of selling hotels online. I know you don't have, it's, not a, it's definitely not a monopoly, um, but anyway. Uh, would it be fair for Booking.com to be uh, named a gatekeeper and not Expedia or not any of your other Yeah, so I, I think there's a, um, I think there's a lot of politics that goes into the regulatory environment, particularly nowadays more than ever. Right. And I really believe, I know this, I know this is factually true, that we have no dominant uh, position in the hotel accommodations in Europe or anywhere. And whenever I speak to somebody who thinks that, who says, oh no, you do, I say, really? When you travel, when you're gonna decide where you're gonna travel, do you feel that uh, you really, only place to go is us, or we're absolutely the top of mind all the time? Or do you use different, pro and you look, and you see, and you compare? The truth is, as I said, this is one of the most incredibly competitive industries in the world, in the world. 
When you are deciding where to travel, if you go to Google, look at the list of different ways you could buy the stuff in different prices, et cetera, and all the different things. I am always surprised when I hear someone say, well, your industry is just the OTAs, and we're not gonna count the hotels who are selling the product online. Well, consumer doesn't make any differentiation. The consumer looks online, they see a, they'll go to Google and they'll see uh, something from us, they'll see something from Expedia, something from, um, oh my God, Hilton, or Marriott, or Pico, right next to it. The customer doesn't see a differentiation. But you're the strongest player that the hotels have to, have to deal with. They don't, that word have to is not a good word. They get to choose whether they want to or not. Well, they if they want guests in their beds. And if yeah. they want to use our channel, they can do it, or they can use something else. There's no requirement. And there are a lot of hotels that don't. By the way, here, I'll give you one right now. So I was in California, in, um, and I hope, I hope my people in California don't get angry about this. So I went to California, my wife, two, uh, three weeks ago for a wedding, and there's this really great hotel in Santa Barbara, and we wanted to go there. So I go onto our sites, we don't have it. We don't have it at all. And I'm like, why? Because they chose not to. They choose not to. It's not better to change. There's a one up, and now this anniversary. We're looking at a place upstate New York, not on our site. Nobody has to be on us at all. They come on because we offer them a value that they think is good for their business. They get to choose. Nobody's required to do anything. And by the way, we'll have. Hotels that come on, they'll give us inventory, but as the inventory starts going away, because towards high season, who are the first people that they stop sell for? It's the third party distributor. Why? It makes perfect sense, because they're gonna sell the remaining rooms on their own site and make more money. Sure. So it's really, I think, a misunderstanding by some of the people who are regulating this industry, who, who need more education, how the business really works. Let's go to an audience question. So, um, about experiences. So, uh, your CFO was at a, an investor conference last week, and he basically said that experiences aren't a big money spinner for us. It's been, there's been a lot of hype about experiences. Steve Kaufer of TripAdvisor uh, said that there would be hotel-like margins in experiences. Uh, the question is, what is Booking.com's vision for experiences? How will experiences play a part in the connected trip? All right, so if you look at the total addressable market, what is the total amount of volume of money in the attraction business? It's substantially lower than some other verticals like accommodations right away. So that's talking about you can never make the same amount of money, just the size of the, of the two verticals are very, very different. Right. Now, what uh, Steve Calver once said about the margins, that certainly can be true, but it's a much smaller amount total. Right. Here's the important thing about attractions, and I've given this example here. It's Skiff I talked about this, and I'll, I won't use it, I'll use a different one. Is the idea is that the connected trip, the idea is that we provide you with a better way to do your travel. So when I'm traveling, I'm on the booking.com app, I'm walking in a town that I don't know with my wife. I want to have that pop-up thing from Booking saying, you are 300 meters from this great museum. And all you have to do, and here's why, and you just have to press this button, one button, and you will go right in, and all the, it's all paid for. It's, you don't need to wait in line and a ticket. That's the idea. Or other things in attractions where things are selling out and letting you know. We know that you like this particular... 
you're going to Amsterdam. If you wanted to go to the Anne Frank uh, house, you've got to get tickets early. So somebody is looking at the uh, trip to Amsterdam that we're letting them know. These are all things, again, providing more value to the consumer. So attractions, it's absolutely important, but we're never going to have the same absolute profit. It just can't be. Sure. Well, Glenn, um, we're out of time. Out of time. Well, thank you for having me again. Okay. Thanks, Glenn.